Hello, everyone. Welcome to Philly Sports Now, a Philly fan podcast. My name is Zach, and I am here with Andrew. Um, And that was probably the most energetic. I'm going to be this whole podcast because this was coming off of a crushing, just just soul-crushing defeat for the Philadelphia Eagles against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now, I'm sure we are going to talk about quite a few things today. However, I, I, I think the thing that hurt the most was that I, I didn't get to do the pregame warm-up uh, podcast, unfortunately. I didn't think we were going to win this game. I really I thought we were going to lose this game going in. Uh, I thought we could win it, but I didn't think we were going to. However, that said, this game was unbelievably close. And in reality, we absolutely should have won this game, which is just the worst. Because you're going from, you know, no expectations on my end to losing such a defeating game so defeating because of all of the errors because of all of the uh mishaps the bad play calling on both offense and defense just just an absolute trash can of a game if i ever saw one by the philadelphia eagles now on andrew's end i'll obviously let andrew, obviously let andrew give his own opinion here in a second but like it's also disappointing on on someone like andrew's end who predicted the eagles to win and again you could have won that game but you lose like it's just overall just a terrible football game like and I guess I don't know if I actually like I can't I can't do an unbiased you know step out of the shadow is this a good football game bad I'm just too focused on how bad the Eagles won or lost they absolutely didn't win um Andrew I mean I'm rambling because I'm just so I am so worked up ladies and gentlemen listening like during this episode I'm just gonna warn you now I I haven't been this mad after a game yet this season. And I think I've already said that this year. Like, this game sucked. There were so many times where I just yelled, you suck. And I feel like I did that to, like, three different people, and I'll go into all of them. I'll tell you why I think people in the Eagles suck right now, and I'll tell you who they are, and I'll tell you... I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not one to put jobs on the line, but I'm definitely not trusting quite a few key people. Uh, that said, all right, I need to take a break, and you step out, step out of the mic for a minute. Andrew, uh... We lost. No, yeah, I'm just as frustrated as you are. I just, I don't even know where to begin because you, you could you could pick and we'll, we'll dissect it fully here in a little bit. But there are so many different spots you, you can dissect here and, and put the game on. Uh, just talking about plays-wise and everything. And like you said, like for, for someone who predicted the Eagles to win on, on the pregame show, um. I, I thought they'd ride in with momentum, and I thought they, they'd come in uh, pretty, I, I don't want to say, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the right word is, but confident in the sense of you're coming off a big win on the road against San Francisco that basically no one had had you uh, had given you a chance to win. You came into this game basically, or no, it was the same exact line and everything. And, and ultimately, this was the complete opposite of how, how I kind of expected the the game to go in the sense of I thought this was going to be two of the better defenses in the NFL kind of battling it out and, and trying to find ways to win the game. And it was going to be whoever could score. And it, it turned out to be the opposite. And we'll, we'll get into why it turned in the opposite here in a little bit. But just in all areas, it was frustrating. And like you said, I mean, there was countless amount of guys you could yell at in this game. And and push the blame to and, and whatnot from the actual players on the field to play calling the, the coaches and to everything. And, and it's good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun in the sense of breaking it down and figuring out what happened. Obviously it's not fun to break down a loss and everything, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun kind of dissecting where this team can go from, from here on out. And I just like to add, I I actually feel like Andrew, you were correct. I think they did come in with that win momentum. I think it helped quite a bit. I think that this game could have been an excellent game, and I I think they really did have the energy and ability to win. That's the that's the worst part. Was I didn't even think they could, but and they they absolutely could, and they didn't. Yeah, here's where I'm gonna disagree a little bit. I, I thought. Energy-wise, pregame and everything, they had it, but 
I, and we'll get into the offense. Obviously, they didn't have a horrible day, but I was disappointed in the way the offense started. I, I mean, I, that was one I thought uh, you, you came in again. You found a way to, to beat the 49ers. Wentz hits Fulgham on that. I don't remember the exact yards. It was like 42-yard touchdown to beat the 49ers. I, I thought the offense was going to come out firing here. And I, again, I was I, I predicted a lower scoring game, so I'm not going to sit here and say I was expecting touchdown after touchdown. But you come out and you get two straight three and outs and everything, and I, I I was disappointed in that sense. But you're right, the energy was there and everything. You could tell the players were hyped up for it. But I just in terms of putting that energy into execution is where I was disappointed with. I I, I can see that, and I actually want to jump off of something you said regarding the offense and the points scored because. As funny as it is, um, I, I'm trying to look here, and I'm getting thrown off by the schedule because it's still the schedule and the score app still includes the preseason for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> uh, but really quickly going over this, like th- this was the highest scoring game we've had offensively. So offensively, like, like uh, trust me, I, I have some offensive people I want to call out as crap right now. But as a whole, like it wasn't terrible. Like it was actually good. You you, you get what I'm saying here? Like we we twenty nine points is a good amount of points in the NFL. Uh, maybe not this year. Like I, I know a lot of teams are scoring pretty high uh, score games this season. Uh, however, for the Eagles, that's the highest scoring game we've had so far in 2020. And you know we still lost. So I think that tells you, like, e- even though there are a lot of faults with the offense, still a lot. Um, overall, it's not like that was horrible. No, not at all. I think, uh, and that's just kind of the way this game went in terms of everything. Th- these guys were never on the same page. Um, like I mentioned, you had to start the game. Uh, you go back to back three and outs. Uh, we didn't score until the final 30 seconds of the first quarter. So the defense played really well in that first quarter. You looked at it where, okay, this is what I expected. The offense was going to struggle early on against one of the uh, top three defense in the uh, NFL right now. Uh, I know they haven't had the biggest competition, but stats are stats and they're, they're top three defensively right now. And uh, the defense kept you in the game. That's what you expected. And then all of a sudden it turned into a shootout. And um, unfortunately we, we fall on the wrong side of it, but in terms of what you're saying, I thought, yes, we're going to about to pick and nitpick and everything and, and get into the bottom of this. But top to bottom, taking out a few things, this is probably your best offensive game without question this season. And that's not that's not saying much because we I mean, we spent the first four weeks breaking down how how bad they have been and how much they've struggled. So, again, it's not like you're putting this game up to brilliant offensive performances before but this was probably your your best top to bottom offensive game yeah so let's keep i i, I don't know do you want to talk let's okay so we're we both kind of simultaneously agree that the offense did pretty well so before we ruin or before i go into what i disliked about the offense why don't we talk about what i think at least on my end was the overall reason we lost this game and it was the defense um I think the defense hands down lost this game to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's a shame because I also think the pits, uh, the, the pits, I also think the defense did well. Like at first it's, it's really, it was a weird game. I guess this is a good game of football. When you look at it from a like broad point of view, it was a good game of football, but that said, like I'm pissed like this, this is uh, uh, like, uh, okay. Okay. No, I, I need okay. to, I need I, to abso- calm down. <laughs> absolutely. This is, if this was, uh, let's just put the Sunday night game. If this was the Seahawks uh, Vikings tonight, we would be sitting here saying, "Oh, that was a very entertaining football game. That was a lot of fun to watch. You, you can't ask for a better Sunday night game." And that's what we'd be saying if it wasn't the Eagles. But we obviously have passion and have feelings to this game and the team, obviously. So we're going to sit here and say otherwise because we came on the wrong end. And even Steelers fans are going to be sitting there saying, "Oh, what what a great game this was." So no, I'm I'm one thousand percent with you. So that being said, let's let's tell the fun listeners, ladies and gentlemen, this is why Zach thinks this is why Zach thinks that Jim Schwartz sucks. Jim Schwartz obviously didn't listen to our last podcast when we told him how he couldn't figure out. Oh, Kittle! They keep giving the ball to Kittle, and he keeps going ten to fifteen yards every play. Hmm. Maybe we should double team him. Hmm. Maybe we should at least figure out a man situation for Kittle. Hmm. Nothing, right? So let's go into this week. 
what happens, Andrew? What happens? They go to Claypool for four touchdowns. That's that's. I'm sorry, your audio folks just probably went off off the rail because I literally screamed. But Claypool got four touchdowns for the Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you not figure out a play like like? So again, I didn't think we were going to win this game. Pittsburgh Steelers are a good team. You tell me that the Steelers got four touchdowns. I'd be like, wow, that's, you know, that sucks that, you know, the Eagles screwed up. That's hard, blah, blah, blah. You tell me the same player got four touchdowns. How do you not figure that out? How do you not figure something out to get this guy? Again, double teaming him would just be a great place to start. Uh, but I guess that would require a man. And I think we have evidence that that's not happening. Um, but the, the fact that you don't come up with some kind of plan to cover the same guy, I, I, this is why Jim Schwartz sucks. Like, I, again, it would be one thing if we were just talking about four touchdowns in general. We are talking about four touchdowns from the same player. That is absurd. Yeah, it's absolutely a train wreck. Uh, I mean, uh, we could sit here and you mentioned it. We, we went over the same thing last week. You let one guy kill you, and this week was the same thing. I'll take you one step further. You don't even have to double team him. Wait, all you had to do is not have a linebacker, which we all know is the weakness, cover a wide receiver. And, and I understand it wasn't the full game, but in the most pivotal play of the game, your defense is, I guess, finally looking a little better towards the end of the game there. I think it was third and ten. Third and ten, all you need is a stop. You'll get the ball back. Not the best field position, but you'll give Wentz and company a chance to to march down the field and win the game, which what was the hot part of that, that, that game. Uh, I mean, they marched down the field a lot of that time. And what do you do? You have Nate Gary, which I, I gave him credit in the running game, not so much the passing game, but you have Nate Gary there sitting on the, the today. Not, he's not the best receiver overall, but today their best receiver and their go-to receiver all day. You have your biggest weakness covering their biggest strength. And that just doesn't make sense. And the, the course, this comes. I feel like every time I compliment somebody on Twitter, the next day, the next game is just a train wreck. Um, <laughs> I, I was out here giving sports credit. I think after we did our recap last week or whatever. Um, but of course, today made me look stupid because it, it was a total train wreck. And and the way he called the game, the way he had players covering uh, the Steelers, uh, I thought he called a terrible game plan on top of that. Um, and it really hurt the team. So here's I mean, the thing. I don't think Schwartz did bad last game, but I think the fact that we won helped kind of buffer his mistakes, but we noticed those mistakes. And we lost today, and it was the same exact mistakes. And that's why it's escalated so much, you know? Yeah, I, I agree to an extent. I think partially on last week, too, on top of Schwartz's mistake, is also goes higher up to Howie mistakes as well. Because... As as a as you're not going to get an co- argument from me. As a defensive coordinator, it's the same thing I kind of argue with with Kapler and Girardi on the Philly side of things. Is at a at a certain point you can only do so much, and we all know the biggest weaknesses for the Eagles is linebackers, and a lot of times you're going to have those linebackers cover the tight end. So last week George Kittle being a tight end, you kind of expected him to blow up the Eagles linebackers just because at some point Schwartz can only work with what he has. But this week is all Schwartz because. What he should have did in that last play is you take out – you don't need a three-linebacker set there in that last play. You take out a linebacker, put an extra corner in because you, you see the way the Steelers are lined up there. So that's what the Eagles should have did. It was never had Gary out there in the first place or whatever other linebackers. They should have had an extra corner for that sake of things because today they contain the Steelers' uh, tight ends because they're not as good as Kittle. So, again, that's what they should have did. And they can they contain their best receiver in Juju uh, Shoe Smith uh, Juju uh, Shoe uh, four catches twenty eight yards so you, you contain their best receiver. They I just forgot about Claypool and where I have issue with it the most is when when you focus on a guy their number one guy you kind of expect someone else to step up in the first half. And that's where I that's where I have a huge issue with it is you saw that guy kill the Eagles. I don't have halftime stats, but you saw that guy kill the Eagles uh, in that first half, and they didn't make one single adjustment to stop him in the second half. That's where my issue is. If you were going to shut down Juju, which they did in the first half, and they let that guy beat you in the first half, and I mean it was fourteen fourteen and going or no, it was seventeen fourteen still was going to halftime, but you were in the game there and. You didn't do anything to fix it, and that's where it blew up. And quite frankly, when you go down 17 against a, t- a good team like that, you're going to have 
trouble coming back, and and that's where they fell issue. They didn't they they, they forgot the second half started because they didn't make the the necessary uh, defensive adjustments. The other thing I'd like to add for the uh, big loss on the defense, and you know this is one of those classic I feel Philadelphia things that we say you know this cost us the game because it almost always does. Um, but it definitely came out on the defense more than the offense today, although I don't have what the exact number is, and that's uh, penalties. I, I mean, how, how many yards did we lose to offsides? Are you are you kidding me? Um, we lost a total of 84 yards to penalties, and I I almost want to say, like, I don't know, 40-something of those is offsides. That's it? Like, uh, meaning I, I, 84? No, I'm saying uh, 80. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah that's I what, felt like a lot more than that. I know, um, because I felt like, and I felt like it was always, it, 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 again, classic Eagles this season, it was always a critical play where we were doing really well, and they killed the momentum by having an offsides, and it screws us up entirely. Uh, the big one that I remember was after Lane Johnson got taken out, which, you know, was a shame. Um, and then, I'm sorry, who who did who went in to replace him? Uh, Driscoll. And then he got an offsides, right? He was his... Yeah, full sorry. Yep. It, was, it was almost immediately. I think it was the, the following play, or maybe the play after. Um, but yeah, those offsides, killer, killer. I, I would absolutely, number one on the defense, say Jim Schwartz's play calling sucked. And then you have these players... That cannot just line up properly. Like I, I just, I mean, this is this is nickel and dime, like like stupid mistakes. You can't make these mistakes. This is something a high schooler learns how to do. And you're in the NFL. You're costing us the game. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and you know what? And I'm not trying to make excuses, but I'm gonna let that one slide, like I let my ties slide last week, just because he's a rookie. He's filling in for Lane Johnson. He's a get all those snaps, so it's kind of a new spot for him. Um, again, obviously costly penalty, but I, I'm going to rip on the defense uh, with the penalties continued because theirs was a train wreck as well. You had third and 15, uh, Steelers go deep, and, and I hate to rip on him in this spot, but just the way the game went because he's had a fantastic year. But Darius Slay gets that pass interference call. Yeah, that's the pivotal part of the game where that would have been an incomplete pass. It would have been fourth and long. I don't know if they were in field goal range, but obviously three is better than seven. But instead, you give them the pass interference. Now they got the ball inside the five, and they eventually punch it in for a touchdown. You had the Jalen Mills, same one. Third and goal. You've already stopped him at the goal line twice. Jalen Mills gets called for a pass interference in the back of the end zone. Giving him a first down again ultimately leads to another touchdown rather than it being fourth and goal. And uh, that me either trying to go for it on the goal line or, or another three points. And then late in the game. I wish we would have saw the replay. I was disappointed in Fox for not showing us this replay because he didn't like the call, but we all we see guys complain about calls all the time. But you had a big stop. You had the tackle for, I think, they gained two yards. It would have been a third and eight. Brandon Graham gets called for a face mask, and it gives him a 15 yards and extends the drive, kills more time, and it puts you in a tougher spot. And uh, those are just the three off the top of my head. I'm, and you had, We had the uh, Driscoll false start, so that's four. Um I don't know what else we had in the game, but uh, I, it's just it's pivotal mistakes. I mean, I mean, you you take those mistakes out, you again you're either holding the Steelers to a punt or or a long field goal try, and you subtracting fourteen points and adding six back, and look at that, you're you're yeah, look at that, fourteen points. It's going to be a twenty nine thirty game, depending on what happens. It's a lot closer, and you have a chance to win the game at the end. And it's a shame, and it's the same thing. These penalties are as costly as, uh, and we'll get into him too, which actually I didn't think he did a bad job today, but the stuff we talked about in the uh, previous games, the Wentz sacks losing yards, these penalties are, are the complete same thing. Uh, again, it's it, these are mistakes, like you said, that, that you learn about in high school and college and stuff that you shouldn't be making in the NFL. And I understand no one, no one's perfect, and you're gonna have errors. But it's, it just seems like when you watch other games, these mistakes happen like in the second quarter, where like, yeah, obviously a penalty kills you, but like there's time to make up for it. It just seems like the Eagles' penalties always come at the worst time possible. That ends up costing us either points, costing us the game, or whatever. So, I I don't have much else to say about the Eagles' defense, and you kind of said something that makes it an easy transition to the offense for me. So, if you have anything else to say about the defense, go for it. Otherwise, I'm ready to talk about who sucks on the offense. Yeah, I think I'm good as well. I can't think of anything else because, I mean, I will say the defensive line got got pressure most of the day as well. Um, So, I'm going to give them credit where credit's due. 
I thought uh, they played fairly well again for the third straight game. So credit to them. That's where all, most of the money's gone on the defensive side. So it's what you expect, but they're put it, they're they're putting up what we expected. So um, credit to them. And uh, I'll get into the. Um, I want to get into special teams as well after the offense because I got stuff on them. I just want everyone to know Andrew is like. Adrian is like massaging his temple, like right between your eyebrows, like he has the biggest migraine. It's just, it's just, that's just the feeling. That is so mutual here. Like that's, that is how frustrating this is. All right, let's talk about the offense because I, I know this. Is, I know you might dis- dispute me. You kind of said it a little bit there. Um, not his worst game in the world by any means, but here's why Carson Wentz still sucks. Carson Wentz threw two interceptions again. Uh, I know technically the second one was more of a punt. Still counts. Uh, you can look at fantasy scores for that one, folks. Uh, Carson Wentz sacked five times for 34 yards. Let that sink in. So who still doesn't know how to get rid of the football? Can't tell you how many times I heard that one on the radio in the first half by Merrill Reese. Um, and, I, I mean, there's just so many play. I, I remember, you know, a play to Sanders that was over his head. I remember a play to uh, Ertz that was at his feet. Oh, Ertz also sucks. Don't worry about that one. I will get there. Hold your horses. Uh, but I, Wentz did not like today. Wentz looked some of his best work this season. That's like some of his best work this season was today. Good for him. That being said, Wentz sucks. That's it was, it was hard to see. It was hard to watch. Um, I, I was so, I'm so angry at him. I'm so frustrated. Uh, Like he's making all the same mistakes. Nothing is changing. You know what is changing, Andrew? And I, I said this before when I thought the reason I thought we were going to win against San Francisco. It's who he's throwing to. He knows these receivers better. I or he trusts them better than Deshaun Jackson and uh, Rager and uh, Alshon Jefferson. Like I, I, something about Wentz, he connects with these underdog practice squad guys. And it, it's just he clicks better with them. And so he's doing a much better job as a whole. Like again. As a whole, the offense did well today, but Wentz still makes these stupid mistakes that are so costly in this game. And again, just another reason why we could have won. I'm going to disagree with you on this. I I really don't think Wentz played a bad game today. I I think he is far from the blame. He doesn't. He's not even top five uh, for reasons why we lost this game. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, the one interception it was as a hail mary throw, desperation. I mean, the game's over yeah, at that it point. It was a punt. It was it's, punt. I'm not faulting him for that. The second one, again, it, it's not a bad decision on that one. I, I was okay with that decision. You see the replay, and I've already seen multiple analysts break it down. You see the replay. That's a, that one's on Ertz. I mean, he he's coming across the middle there. Yeah, he gets bumped a little bit by the corner, but if you look at anyone else, I mean, you look at. Uh, George Kittle from last week, he gets bumped a little bit by an Eagles guy. He just continues to go, and he's going to at least knock it down or get a hand on it. Are we going to talk about Ertz? I'll talk about Ertz. I'll talk about how disgustingly bad Ertz looked. Ertz is my also sucks. Zach Ertz sucked today, and here's why. Because when he went on that, that exact play Andrew's talking about, exactly what you just said, and I'm sorry I cut you off, but I am furious at this because you guys called me out on Zach Ertz last time, and here's me throwing it back. He you're clearly still wrong about quit still... in that play. He clearly, he clearly quit. He quit the play. He didn't even try to finish. And you know what? Wentz threw a bad throw. Fine. But you can see Zach Ertz not even going to finish that. And you know what? I, someone... Who, uh, I said it before, a playmaker makes plays. You know you know who would have kept going? You know who would have kept going? The star of this game, Travis Fulgham, would have kept going and would have tried to and would have kept knocked over, and maybe he doesn't make the catch. Uh, I, I just – Zach Ertz looked awful. He looked absolutely horrible, and I am – I'm just over him. I'm absolutely over him. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. He had a bad day. I'm not ready to say it's – we're over him. I mean, uh, I think again, he's still your best weapon you have right now until everyone else comes back. But but um, here's why I disagree with that. He is he is statistically the best weapon that Wentz has, but he's not playing as the best weapon that he has. He is like like you guys can laugh at me or be mad at me all you want, but he is not playing to his full potential. And whether it's because he's 
uh, is he hurt? Is it because he's is he is he a little sad because of the money? Is it because he's he's trying to figure out what city he's going to live in next year? Look, I get it. Like I'm not look if that's what's bothering you, that's what's bothering you. But don't come crying to me that you're not in Philadelphia when you're not making the effort to go get a pass. And and I'll I'll, I'll throw this out there. Nick Nick and I talked about this before. Uh, Nick unfortunately not able to join us, and he makes the argument. You know, Zach Ertz did get hit by the defensive guy. Like like you know the the defensive man got in his way. But as you pointed out. Someone like Kittle or Claypool, they go around the defensive end or che- or they trip over themselves trying to get around him and keep going. And Zach Ertz did not do that. He got hit and he was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go backwards. I'm done. The play's over oh, for me. No, I mean, Nick's right. He got hit, but everyone else, I mean, he, he gave up on the play. Like, yeah, he it's gave clear. up. Exactly. Like, he, don't get me wrong, Nick. And I, I, I know he can't defend it, but he, he's right. He, <laughs> he, got, he got hit on the play. But again, you look at. Any top guy, any top tight end, top receiver, even running backs. I mean, you get bumped a little bit, you still got to fight through it. And and that, that's part of, I mean, it's part of football. I mean, you get hit every play. And especially on that one, that was within five yards. So that's a clean play. You have to expect that contact within five yards. And again, uh, it's, it's a play where, again, it wasn't obviously a good throw by Wentz, but you fight through that, you're going to at least get, hand on it you're going to be in the vicinity you can knock it down uh, again i'm not saying it's a completion for 15 yards and a t- or a touchdown i'm just saying if if you fight through that it's not an interception or, exactly zach Ertz last year makes an effort that makes a difference yeah no I, I, on that play yes i, I think uh, on other things you could see where he is still making a, an impact and uh, i noticed it on the two-point conversion um when Zach Ertz was open on the flat, making a slant towards the sideline, he had two guys cheat up on him, which left, I believe, we hit what high tower in the back of the end zone on the two point conversion. So again, that that's 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 where Ertz does still come in handy. Is he's still drawing the defender? So I'm not again, I'm not ready to back out on Ertz because I don't know how much longer Dallas Goddard's out. But once he comes back, I really think you're going to see a different Zach Ertz. I, I okay, I, I'd like to fairly defend myself here a little bit i'm not backing i, I guess i literally said i'm out on our time you literally said- <laughs> i literally said i was out on earth um but like he can play <laughs> like i know arts can play and if he makes that he he's not showing that effort this year he's not and if he wants to prove me wrong and he wants to figure his shit out and play, I would gladly love to cheer for him again because I don't hate him like I hate Jason Peters. I hate Jason Peters, and he's basically dead to me in Philadelphia. But I, I want to like Zach Ertz, but he's not hes not performing well. He's not doing great. Uh, again, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but how many, how many touches did he even have today? Couldn't have he been has, a lot. It's, he actually has six targets, only one catch. So that's pretty... That's pretty uh, um, terrible. Eye-opening, I guess. Is, is Six targets and one catch. And what was it last week? I want to say like nine and five. It, yeah. Like, like, what is it? Like, but to your I, point, and, and you... Wentz keeps. And, sorry, I, I was just stuttering a little bit, but I was trying to find the words to just say. And Wentz, you can see Wentz. He's still looking for Ertz. He's still trying to get Ertz. And I know Ertz gets double teamed. Something that Schwartz needs to learn from Schwartz. You suck. But. Ertz needs to figure it out, man. And I, I get it. Like, that's not the play. And maybe, that, maybe okay, fine. Then maybe Doug Peterson needs to figure out how Ertz can figure it out. But they need to work together to figure that out. Because you have tight ends in the league that do figure it out. Uh, Andrew, help me out well, here. Like, uh, Kelsey, I want to say. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, who's, the, who's the other big one? Um, George Kittle. Mark Kittle? Andrews. Thank you. Like, like that's what, like... Uh, these other big, like we always said, Ertz is a top five tight end. Totally is. But he's pushing himself further and further in that top five. And that's because these other guys, they're figuring it out. They're making those plays. And they're dependable still. Ertz, this year, again, I want to make myself clear. This year, Ertz is not dependable. And that's why Ertz sucks. And I really want him to figure it out so I stop hating Ertz. Because it kind of sucks. I do like Ertz. I love Zach Ertz Super Bowl year. I, I've always loved Zach Ertz. He's a great, he's a great guy like as a person and i really want to like him on the field but he is just he's he's not you know he's not leaving home he, he's not leaving his drama off the field which fine you know maybe that's in the back of your mind but that's really messing him up man it's really getting into him and i'm tired of seeing it uh, one last thing on earth um maybe some guys take 
some guys need the extra guy with them. And maybe he's a guy that, and you're right, he has to figure it out and make the adjustments. But he's a guy that's always had a counterpart. Meaning, when he first got drafted and he came up and really started making a name for himself, he had other tight ends, Brent Selleck, fantastic tight end, who they worked well together, creating the opportunity for Ertz to get be a great tight end. Ertz, obviously when Selleck left and even ended Selleck's career, you had Selleck, Ertz, and Goddard. This is the first time, really in Ertz's career, he doesn't have that counterpart alongside with him. So I'm, I'm starting to wonder as I'm watching these games, and again, if Zach Ertz is really a top three, four, five, whatever you want to call it, tight end, and he really thinks he deserves that money, he's got to figure out a way to adjust to the game. But maybe this is something that he needs to get used to of not having that counterpart to help draw other defenders, allowing him to get open. So obviously it's on him to figure it out, but I'm saying maybe that's something that we never really thought about, and I really had never thought about until I honestly just popped in my head while you were talking about Ertz. Um, he's had that counterpart and you look at the, the great tight ends and I mean, when, when the coaches really go through that two tight end system, you really notice it. And that's something maybe he's got to get used to. And now we're what three games in cause Goddard got hurt that first game, I think. So he's three solely games in without Goddard and we'll see how he continues to improve. Cause I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I don't think any one of us are going to predict the Eagles to win next week. But for the team standpoint, if they have any shot to win against the Ravens, Zach Ertz is going to have to have more than six yards. If Zach Ertz has six yards next week, I will guarantee you we lose. Uh, so I would like. To, so I've been ripping pretty hard right now on the Eagles. I'd like to take a step back, take a moment, take a breather, if you will. If you, Andrew, if you'll join me, we'll talk about some of the good things because, as we said, the offense did have some good things. So we can talk about that if you so join me. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not done with the ripping part, so we'll get back to that. Oh, I'm not we, either. We can go good for a little I'd bit. I'd like to take a minute to take a step away. Because you talk about someone like Zach Ertz, infuriating, you know, one, receive, one, one reception for six yards. Let's talk about the stud, the star, the absolute giant on the Philadelphia Eagles offense. No, 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 no. It's not Carson Wentz. It's not number two pick overall, Jalen Hurts. It's not number one pick who's hurt, Jalen Rigger. It is practice squad, man. Travis Fulgham. What a stud. Andrew, do you know how many yards he had today? 152. 152 yards this guy had. He was catching balls. Like they were just they were just popping into his hand out of thin air. They were just out of nowhere. He was the guy, man. He was going everywhere. Zip zap zup. He got that ball. Every single Oh my God. Oh my God. It was amazing. I was he was so good he he is the he like a player like him is like what we've been missing it's like that papali vibe right like he he was into the game he wanted to win it's like that's the kind of stuff you love to see on the field oh it was just such a breath of fresh air such a great energy to have on the team yeah absolutely it's something they've been lacking and obviously we all all love the story of greg ward but when it's all said and done i mean i I still like Ward, but he's Still a little undersized, so he's kind of still that kind of underdog story. Where Travis Fogelm, I think, takes Greg Ward another step because he actually has good size. He has even better hands than Ward, and you feel confident throwing to him. And obviously, Wentz clearly does too. I mean, he targeted him 13 times, and he caught 10 of them. Um, and again, you saw the deep ball last week to win the game. Two catches, 57 yards last week, and then this week, 10 for 152 and a touchdown. Uh, and it's just credit. I mean, think about it. I mean, Travis Fogelman had 10 catches today. Does, does Arcega Whiteside even have 10 catches in his career? Does I mean, were, We were actually talking about that, and I don't, I don't know if he has 10 catches, but I will tell you that Travis Fogelman today definitely surpassed uh, uh, Arcega Whiteside in yards. I think it was. He might have surpassed him in, in receptions, too, but... I mean, 152 yards. I think. I think in the past two years, our second white side still hasn't even gotten that. Yeah, and, and this is credit to Fogum too. I mean, he's been on three or four different practice squads at this point, and he continues to work. I mean, you got to give him credit uh, that he's not just 
shutting down like you, you kind of see some other guys once you go on practice squad to practice squad. He kept getting better, he, and I don't know how these guys find him if they kind of reach out on a practice squad or whatnot. But 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 that they found him, whether it was him reaching out to the Eagles or the Eagles reaching out to him, and they got it done. He's a six-round pick, so it's a fun story, and he's clearly doing well. And listen, if, if he ever – I mean, this – Fulcum is basically what they wanted Whiteside to be. And obviously, mm-hmm. now a six round pick and a practice squad journeyman, you're going to, I know I'm thinking cap wise here, but you're going to save money over a second round pick on Whiteside. I mean, if Whiteside wants to stick around, honestly, he better start playing because when, when you do get Jackson and Jeffrey back, hopefully next week or in two weeks, obviously, if you're adding two guys, you got to get rid of guys. And I can guarantee if Fulgham's here to stay now, Greg Ward's going to be here to stay. Um, Hightower, I mean, yeah, he had mistakes, but he's going to be here to stay. He's catching he's, the ball for the most part. he's making classic rookie mistakes still, yeah, right? Like, exactly. I still have faith Hightower's, like, on a learning curve. Yeah, and I, I got a bone to pick with him later, too. Um, but when it's all said and done, these guys are here to stay. Because, like you say, it's a rookie mistake. Where Whiteside, he's out there getting plays, but he's not doing anything. So honestly, I, I like you said, you hate to call for someone's job or whatever and whatnot. But let's face it, White Whiteside's time in with the Eagles, and th- this stinks to say because I defended him coming in the year because I thought if you would if you would have put the work in in the off season, you would have been better and you would have been ready for the season. And he clearly hasn't shown any improvement yet. And unfortunately, it's again with two guys coming back next week, someone's got to go go and. I guarantee you, Whiteside's going to be up there. So if I got to catch this week, and uh, and him too, I don't know if you noticed this. He catches the ball with three seconds, or and he probably wouldn't have got it off anyway. But instead of showboating for the first down because you finally made a catch, go back to the line and try to spike it before the the clock runs out. And again, I don't think even if he would have went back to the line, I don't think they get it off anyway. But still, you got to realize the situation. Like you're playing for the end of the half there. Don't. Be showboating with the stupid first down, drop the ball or whatever. Pick up the ball, run it back to the lineman, and, and, and try to get the playoff. Uh, I mean, again, I don't know if you would have got it off. Probably not. But still, for the future, you're going to make that same mistake. If yeah, you I think Arcega single white side, it, it's a tough like story, right? Because you look at him, and he really hasn't even gotten that many attempts this year, I feel like. I don't have the exact number in front of me. But it's because he didn't make the effort in the offseason to get better, and he's still not dependable. You know, when we see him get those attempts he's not necessarily making those plays and uh like you said you never want to call for someone's job i i hate that feeling um but it's just it's hard when you have when we have literally better options i said literally too many times already that's cut cutting it from the episode <laughs> not really but uh no but like we have we have better receivers available to us and I, i'm sorry our sega white side like you, you're gonna have to go when alshon jeffrey comes back you know i don't necessarily i still kind of you know, Alshon Jeffrey, the rat. <laughs> is he the rat? Is he not the rat? Can we trust him? Is he going to be better this season? All that Al- stuff. All that stuff. And I still would rather him in any day of the week over uh, Alshon. I, I was about to say, sorry to cut you off, but whether whether we like Alshon or not, he's a huge improvement. Over exactly. Like so. And, so, and to your point about you using the word dependable, that that's exactly why he's not getting the the. the to your point, that's exactly. why he's not getting those targets, like you're saying, because he's not dependable. Because uh, again, if you look at snaps white sides get white side gets it seems to be all running or blocking plays because of his size like he only had i mean he had one catch one target he only had one target today if he was actually out there for passing plays where they depend they could depend on him and trust him he'd have more than one target i mean uh, I greg ward had five targets high tower had six targets and then Ertz had six targets and then fulgham had 13 targets so if white side was to your great word dependable he would have more than one target but Obviously, in that situation, they were throwing a Hail Mary ball up. So you got like five, six receivers on the field. So that's why Whiteside's in there in that situation. All right. So, Andrew, I believe you said you had a bone to pick with uh, Hightower? Yeah, it's not like a bone. It's to your point, a rookie mistake. It was first and 10, second, maybe second down. I don't remember. But it, it was before the Whiteside issue of that the clock. When you're a rookie, I understand you're trying to fight for the extra yards, but knowing the situation of the timeouts, you just burn two timeouts to get the ball back. 
you got to get out of balance. He, he tried to fight for an extra two yards, and in that situation, those two yards are meaningless because the second you go down without getting out of bounds, you're letting the clock continue to go, and you wasted about another 10, 15 seconds. So um, I think uh, I think that's, again, not really a huge bone to pick, just to, uh, to your point, a rookie mistake where you got to know once you catch that ball and you see the two, three defenders in front of you, you got to get out of balance, stop the clock so you can reset rather than rushing and, and wasting 10, 15 more seconds off. Because let's face it, those three points could have been a huge difference down, down the road there uh, before the end of the game. Uh, oh, good. I was going to say, my, my final issue, I, I think, to, to, to wrap this up, at least for me, I don't know if you have anything else, uh, but it's Doug Peterson. And, again, we mentioned how good the offense was, and I, I liked it for the most part. But w- let's, let's look at this. Zach, correct me if I'm wrong. Miles Sanders had what a 74-yard touchdown run? I I believe so. Yes. Let me let me double. Oh, oh uh, yep, 74 yards on the dot. Do, I don't. Do you, can you tell me what uh, Miles Sanders finished with on the day in terms of rushing yards? His finish in terms of rushing yards, 80. <laughs> think about that. Think think about that. Think about that right now. 74-yard rushing touchdown, and you finish the game with 80 rushing yards. Wow. That, that, that's so bad. That, and that, that's the lack. I don't know if it's a lack of run game, if it's the lack of Pierce and Collin runs. And, that's, and we called, out, called him out before, but he gave up on the, the run game too early. He, he saw him go down early in the second half, and he, he went away from it. And, I, again, Wentz didn't play bad, in my opinion, but – he, he gave up on the he gave up on the run game too early and and it showed and it became too one dimensional and you, you saw it later in the game as well and, and that that's my bone to pick is uh, again Boston Scott had a great year last year and I understand Boston Scott isn't Miles Sanders but you only gave Boston Scott one carry as well like that that's just to me inexcusable um, but I, I just there was only a total of twelve rushes from one running say. back. From running backs, yeah, and then once had four himself, and once, yeah, because once yeah. is done. And it's just, it's just crazy to think about. Think about that again: seventy-four yard rushing touchdown, and that running back finishes. And it's your starting running back too. It's not even like you had Boston Scott break away for seventy-four yards, where he's not going to get many carries the rest of the game. That was your starting running back who had the seventy-four yard touchdown, and he finishes with eighty rushing yards. So six, six rushing yards outside of those those four or that seventy-four yard. Yeah, so Doug Peterson, uh, I'd like to say he's kind of similar to Carson Wentz. And it's kind of like poetic, right, that they're similar in these aspects. And what I'm saying they're similar about is that Doug Peterson makes the same mistakes and he doesn't learn. He doesn't learn from them. Or, he de- or like, the, the problem is I, I think Wentz is more naive, whereas I think Doug Peterson is stubborn. I think Doug is stubborn to the quarterback as the star mentality because he was a quarterback uh, and I think he wants the quarterback to be the playmaker the guy who is you know the classic high school quarterback jock kind of th- vibe um which you know that that's and sometimes that's that's how it is and for the most part I, I I just Doug is too stubborn to learn from his mistakes and and it's it's costly is what it is and he won't he, he he won't rush. He won't he won't do it unless it's like absolutely necessary. And then even when they do, it's it's in the wrong time. They don't get the right. They don't they don't do it the right time. Like I I, I don't know. It's just you know, he's not dependable either. Like Doug's play calling is not dependable. And I, I was gonna say something about Doug Peterson unless Andrew wants to say it for me. I feel like you should already know what I'm gonna say because after today I would say it. I wouldn't go that far. I Doug know going Peterson this, but... sucks. Uh, at least okay, today. So I, I, I was. I thought you were gonna say something else. Oh no, <laughs> no, that's the that's the theme of the episode. I I absolutely chalk him up there. I so so in short, like my my list of four people that suck today, uh, it was Doug, Ertz, Wentz, and Schwartz, and uh, that that was that was everyone. I I absolutely think Doug sucked today. And it, it, like I said, I think the the best thing to say was it was costly. It was very costly. Um, yeah. And, and here's what I don't get about Doug, because you mentioned the word stubborn, which I guess is fair because he doesn't execute it. But like I, I'm one, 
that listens that will go back and listen to like every post game conference, po- watch the post game show and everything when we get done here to see what. Mm-hmm. And he talks about what he should do in the post game, but then he doesn't do it. Like he talks about fixing the screen game, putting more screens into the playbook, but then you don't see him run any screens in the game. It's like you talk about it. Why not do it? Because you're talking about the right things in the press conference. So why not transition that into the game? Like, I just don't. I, that's where I get confused with him sometimes. Is like, I, again, like I listened to it last week, and, and he kept talking about it how he wanted to get the screen game going and everything. I I didn't see him run many screens if at all today, and it's just like you talked about it. Where is it? And that's what I'm just confused about. But I think Doug knows how to play the game when it comes to the press conference, the press in general. Uh, because he hates the press. Like, I, th- I think it's very clear he does not care for the press at all, uh, especially with the Zoom meetings. He, he just doesn't care for any of it. Um, but I think he knows what they want to hear, so he'll say what they want to hear uh, unless they really tick him off. Um, so I, I think he'll say something like, uh, like the fourth down... Uh, the fourth down punt in the overtime against Cincinnati, right? Like, you know, the next day he was like, oh, no, yeah, you're right. We totally should have went for it. Like, that doesn't matter. He's saying like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, he, he he knows to go back and he'll 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 lick his wounds and he'll say what they want to say to leave him alone for a week. And then he'll go try and do something else next week. But it doesn't mean he's going to do what they told him to do. And that's why, like, that's an example of him being stubborn. Yeah, which deep down, I, I really think he would still punt that because he knows how bad the East is. And frankly, as much as we ripped on it, it could come back where that tie could be the difference of winning the division or not. Um, I, 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 I really think that we, to talk about winning the division, I, I, I won't go too into it. I just, I really think we needed to win today for that to happen. I think that's going to, yeah. Cowboys are struggling against the Giants. So if the Giants beat the Cowboys, we're still in first. <laughs> I, I had a feeling the Giants were going to beat the Cowboys. I thought, I had a feeling that the Giants were going to get their first win today. And I had a feeling that Kansas City was going to get their first loss. And so far, I was right on one front. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. And, and I don't know where they're going to go from here. I, like I said earlier in the show, I thought that these last two games are definitely. Uh, there, there's no more victories. I'm not trying to say it's a moral victory, but the overall team play has trended up. I think. Am I going to pick them to beat the Ravens? No, but mm-hmm. is it going to be a little better than I thought of a game it could be? Yeah, it might be. But uh, and hey, maybe we'll get. Maybe I don't know how much seven thousand fans will really help, but maybe that will do something. Um, I, it do, sounds I like, do think that'll do something. Actually, I, I think I, I think it's in Philadelphia's blood. To run on each other's like uh, spirit, basically. I, I, I mean, we we constantly talk about momentum for Philadelphia, for the Eagles, for for any of the Philadelphia teams. The momentum is huge, and I think when you have fans there, I think Philadelphia fans can get loud. Now, it is a shame how well uh, a shame is the wrong word because depending on COVID, I don't want to get into that. But it, it it is hard because there's so little fans there. But I think Philadelphia fans will be loud and. Like, there's going to be 7,000 people there, and I expect booing the Philadelphia Eagles of those 7,000 people. Like, they're not going to take Wentz making a mistake or Doug not running the ball or, you know, the defense giving up 30 straight yards and 33 and outs or 33 and outs, whatever it is. Like, I, I think having fans there is going to make a difference. Um, I think the next – the fans will be their first game will be, I want to say, Thursday night against the Giants. Uh, as far as I know, I think they'll be there this Sunday against the Ravens. Oh, uh, I think I, th- I thought uh, we were away this Sunday, but okay. Regardless, because um, the think union, it, I, think it makes, I don't think it makes a difference for Baltimore. I I will. We're gonna lose that game. We're we can't. Oh, we, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't. Everybody, that. that's a loss for everybody in our division. I mean, that that's one where it's a great team, and like that's that's a. Uh, it's a shame. It's hard. I all right. I think we need to wrap it up here a little bit. So, Andrew, any last thoughts about this game that you want to go off of? Yeah, uh, one last quick point, and I understand you're not going to run everything back, but I, I, I got to mention special teams. I love Jake Elliott and everything, and everyone oh, yeah, does. But listen, as much as we ripped through this game and everything, you had a chance to win the game. You put your kicker in a spot, and he missed the the field goal. I mean, he hits that field goal. You go up by one, and who knows what happens. You're not letting the Steelers start 
from the 50-yard line or whatever it was, the 48 or whatever, you're kicking off. They'll start from the 20, 25 on a touchback, and who knows what happens. And you could be talking about a different, different outcome. And, again, don't get me wrong, 56 yards is obviously not a chip shot field goal, but it's one we've seen Jake Elliott make plenty of times before, and it's and, and that's part of the game. You, you got to make it. And, and outside of Elliott, too, special teams as a whole in terms of return yards, like – I I don't know if you took note of this, and maybe this is just the extra fan I am, but I I wrote this down. And how many times do you see kickers not kick it into the end zone for a touchback? Almost every time on a kickoff, it's going touchback, touchback. Did you notice what the Steelers were doing today to us? They were clearly intentionally not kicking the ball into the touchback because they were not afraid of our uh, kick return at all. And how many? And we got pinned inside the twenty-five, about the fifteen-yard line, because of that, at least four or five times after their touchdowns. Wow. And and you're you're talking about fifteen yards is a big difference. It is ten, 10 especially when our, we keep getting uh, uh, flags and they keep putting us back another ten yards or something like that. Yeah, and all the the sacks and the, the inco- and all that. So you're talking about ten yards, ten fifteen yards could be the difference of an ending drive or a field goal or a touchdown. And and I think again. I mean, it is what it is at this point. It's not like you're going to find some miraculous kick returner in these next in the next week. But it, it's something to look for. And I know they were probably hoping Jalen Rager would be out there. And But but that is something I took note of is you constantly see touchback after touchback. That's one of the quote-unquote safety things the, the game put in was to move the, the kickoff up so you get all those touchbacks. But to me, it was pretty clear what the Steelers were doing. And they were saying, beat us with your return game. And we had no answer for it. That's in all instance, in all sincerity, that that's a astute observation by you, Andrew. That's uh, yeah, no, that that is kind of mind blowing to think about that. I mean, and and I don't know who who that's. I don't know if the special teams coach or if that's the players or whatnot, but it's definitely something. And especially in these games, when you're not playing the the Giants or whoever, who we or the more winnable games. And then the Steelers, 49ers, Ravens, you need every yard you can get. So hopefully that's something we can start get going. And that's where I think we really miss Sproles is Sproles was able to set us up for so many good field position uh, opportunities where I think they're clearly missing that right now. And the last, actually, honestly, last year too, when Sproles got hurt and everything. So it's something they need to fix too. One of many that they need to fix. Uh, Well, that about wraps us up here. At Philly Sports Now, talking recap of uh, Philadelphia Eagles losing 29-38 to against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, that one hurt. That still hurts. I think that's kind of the, the, the big takeaway from this is that this hurt. This hurt a lot because we could have won this. I don't think we're going to win next week. I don't think we can. That's the difference is we could have won this. We could be 2-2-1, two, two and one, but we're not. And, uh, you know, it could be the difference of the division lay on the line. Anyway, wrapping it up here, folks. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Philly Sports Now, a Philly fan podcast. Uh, find us on Twitter, at Philly underscore Sports Now. That's at Philly underscore SPRTS Now. That's Sports Without Leo, folks. Uh, look forward to our pregame for the Eagles-Baltimore Ravens, Philadelphia Eagles versus the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the pregame will be out this Friday uh, for that game next weekend. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Philly Sports Now, and go, birds.